So, Guy, um, kick, kick us off. Tell us what City on a Hill looks like today, you know, four years in um, from, you know, from launch date. Sure. Um, do you want to be specific as to what things you particularly want to hear about that might sharpen it up a little bit? Yeah. Well, tell us about your congregations. Uh, where do you meet? How many people in each of those uh, congregations? How many small groups you've got, perhaps per you know per area, and what ministry activities and staff are you know are down for each of those those groups? Okay, so we started um, October two thousand seven, last weekend uh, two thousand seven. Uh, we've been going now three and a half years. Um, really, we started with just a, a small group of people. Uh, we launched with a core of about uh, fifty to sixty people. Uh, we're now um, somewhere around the to 450 mark it's hard to kind of tell exactly mm-hmm. uh, we have we haven't done a um too big a kind of check on that at this stage but it's around it could actually be a bit more than that something around 450 i would say um we meet on uh in on sundays that is at two different services uh one is in a cinema in the heart of the city uh the other is in a like a conference facility which we've been in for the last three weeks uh that's for the evening um yep. same service uh same preaching schedule same band, same service leader, uh, but different uh, people who come along to those. Um, and some people flip between the two. So if they're away, uh, I don't know, down the beach, they might come to the evening, but normally they might come to the morning, that kind of thing. So it's kind of, uh, it's open for that. We really wanted to, uh, I can tell you a little bit of our story, but originally we were in a venue that was much smaller, and so we created the, a second evening service really just to create some more space. And so yep. that's just kind of how it's been. Um, in terms of our small group ministry, um, Probably a better person to answer that than me, but uh, I think it's something near 30, uh, what we call connect groups, uh, but I know that we're planning on rolling out uh, quite a few more uh, soon, and they're generally categorised into two different areas, uh, one primarily being um, neighbourhood, so kind of what neighbourhood are you in, who are the local kind of um, connections in that area, but also they're now increasingly more network-based, uh, so is there a particular passion that you have, a particular heart you have for a people in culture to reach? then people are being more network-focused uh, in those groups. So I think there's about 30 or so groups uh, meeting. Um, uh, in terms of uh, age, uh, largely would be, um, I don't know, mid-20s, early 20s to mid to mid-30s. That's kind of our demographic. Uh, yeah. Young adults, young workers, uh, students. Uh, we have very, <coughs> very little high schoolers. Uh, we have a bunch of kids now. In fact, um, only a year ago, we probably had only about five or so kids. Uh, we're probably up to about... Um, uh, 60 or so uh, little toddlers now in the last oh, yeah. um, in the last 10 months really yeah. since we've moved venue we were very limited in our previous venue um, yep. and plus also in terms of stage of life a lot of people are just at that stage now where people got married now they're married now they're having kids um, we praise God for that so that's exciting um, we also run uh, we, we're pretty you know simple in terms of what we do when we started we wanted to keep things pretty um, pretty focused in what we could do because what we wanted to do is, uh, let me say that again, um, whatever we did, we want to do well. And so, uh, you know, it started with small groups and then we did a service uh, and we've really tried to um, guard people's time. Uh, time's a big challenge when you're working in inner city work uh, and we want to ensure that people are still on mission in terms of having the relationships, uh, building friendships uh, with people in the office or at the university, whatever it is. We do want to fill up their calendar with too much stuff uh, which is the propensity of a lot of churches I know around here uh, in my context. Um, so we don't do a lot of other stuff. Uh, we did set up um, a thing called Many Rooms. Um, about a year or so in, we just started, you know, 
brainstorming and getting people to think about how we could serve our city and one of the obvious areas related to uh, homelessness and uh, affordable housing. Uh, and so a team of people within the church uh, really pioneered that. Uh, they've got now, a, I, I guess you'd say it's like a Saturday uh, lunch slash drop-in center, you know, hangout, uh, food, um, Bible study, that kind of thing. And that's getting about, uh, I was told um, on the other day, it's getting about 70 or 80 people come along to that. They've mm-hmm. got about 100 or so, well, actually I'm not sure about that, a ton of volunteers anyway, which yep. include people from our church, but also our outside as well, whether they be Christian or non-Christian as well. Um, we, uh, what else can I hit? How am I going here? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you've got your staff. You've got a staff team of uh, three full-time now. So our, our current um, team is made up of myself, who, uh, so I'm one of the pastors, obviously, uh, lead pastor, oversee teaching and vision. Uh, I've got another pastor uh, who oversees uh, operations, uh, the Sunday services and everything like that. Uh, I've got another, his name is Nick. I've got another pastor named Luke. Uh, he oversees connections, which involves um, all the kind of integration stuff. So if you come to our church, you visit, and you're wanting to get connected, he'll invite you to a newcomer's night. You'll come to those. We have them once a month. Uh, he'll connect you to our connect groups, our small group ministry. He oversees all our connect groups and uh, the leaders that are involved in that and the coaches that are involved in that as well. I've also got another guy who's just come on this year. He's not a pastor at this stage. He's a, uh, what we'd say he's a director, but he's in a process of assessment to be a pastor uh, by the end of this year. Another guy named Nick. And he's uh, overseeing what we'd call our focus ministries. Uh, focus ministries is something that, um, well, focuses on a particular demographic or a particular need. So our ministry with homeless, that's a focus area. Uh, ministry with, um, uh, what else can I think of? Oh, uh, workers. So we have some stuff happening through the week with uh, urban workers that he's exploring. Uh, youth ministry, which is something we'd like to explore. Uh, whatever, wherever there's a focus of men's ministry or something like that, wherever there's a particular focus, that's his area. Uh, that's that guy. I also have... Um, uh, uh, an administrator, an office um, administrator who works with me and helping get my schedule going. Uh, her name's Alice. She works uh, four days with me. Uh, I have two part-time, two-day-a-week, a communications person as well as an operations assistant who reports to the operations guy. I have now uh, an internship program. We kicked off last year. We now have five interns with us who will do a range of different things as well, um, plus many rooms uh, which is almost, you know, funding-wise separate to us, uh, have uh, put on someone for their uh, work on Saturdays as well, part-time. That's quite a lot, and that's quite a big step up from what we had last year. Yep. Um, definitely the year before, it was just me running around like a headless uh, chicken. Yeah, yeah. Great. So that's that's where you're at today. Uh, can you take us back, you know, back to the start four years ago? Can you describe the first, I guess, the first six months of planting City on a Hill? Hey. And tell us... Yeah. Tell us as you go through that. I guess uh, you know the why. Why did you uh, you know why did you do certain things? Um, maybe we can hear the description, and then you can maybe we can tease why? out the why with questions. Scott, why the why of church planting, or why I did certain? No, nah, not the why of church planting, but the why you did certain things. So the, the choices you made. Why did why didn't you do this? Why did why did you do that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I so just to give you a little bit about the history. There was a, a core group that was already meeting before me. Um, from a church called St. Jude's in Carlton. Yep. Um, they, they'd been meeting under a different uh, couple of leaders, a different leader for about a year or so, uh, reading the book of Acts, praying and thinking about planning a church, but they didn't feel they had a leader, someone to kind of grow it, lead it, get it going, and so they were praying about that. Uh, so I joined a team in February 2007. Uh, there was about nine or so people. A uh, few people, um, yeah, anyway, 
nine or so people, uh, I joined that team and then really with the um, directive of planning this church. So I, I kind of gave us about, I don't know, six to nine months really to build it to a stage that we could launch a public service. To me, a public service is not everything, but in our culture, it's an important way of connecting with unbelievers as well as encouraging and nurturing believers with the gospel of it. Uh, a preacher and I value the proclaim word of Christ. And um, so having that is important. Um, so for the first <coughs> six to nine months, it was a range of different things from uh, getting to know um, those you know, those nine or so people initially, hear what their heart, what their passion was, know what culture and context that they had come from, uh, just to see what then their expectations would be, as well as at the same time getting to reach other people, uh, doing what I can to uh, get around, have coffee with people, uh, speak where I could at churches where they would allow me, speak at Bible colleges where they would allow me, and meet leaders, Christians, who would be passionate to join us and for a core, form a core team to plant a church. It's not the only way to plant a church, but it's the way that I felt God was leading us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and obviously, in addition, the main one is understanding our city. I mean, I grew up in Melbourne, so I feel I come with a, uh, an understanding about culture and the, um, what people think about God and a whole bunch of different things. Uh, but also getting to know our area. Uh, we, we planted in a, in a new suburb right on the edge of the city called Docklands. Uh, and so part of understanding was actually moving into that area uh, with my wife uh, and then getting to know people in the community as well. And for me, that was um, going to, um, or one of the first things I did was have a coffee with the local editor, uh, probably the best person you could meet uh, in your local area to find out um, the power brokers in the area, uh, the needs in the area, who are the people who uh, are of influence in the area and how we can best serve the area. So meeting with him and uh, just building a relationship with him the, and saying... The lo- you t- that was a local editor of the paper, yeah? Editor. Yeah. Chief, oh, chief and staff is technically the... Yeah. Yep. Every, 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 every local area has uh, one of those. A local know, paper, um, yeah. That, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and so for us, um, just coming to him and saying, hey, dude, look, we're, we're thinking about starting a church. Um, what kind of material would you be interested in? Um, is there anything I can do to help contribute to what you're doing? Because you've got to think as most community papers are looking for material, as are most journalists. Uh, they're all, that's their job is to find material and if you can be proactive. Uh, and two, um, they know they know the community really well. So uh, what do you think the biggest needs are in this area? There was a column, for example, I picked up that said, uh, does Docklands have a soul? That was one of the first things I read. I said, okay, what do you think the answer is to that question? And, um, just getting them to think through that and then helping to contribute and he uh, then, uh, you know, opened up doors to meet with councillors and local workers and business owners and things like that. Um, initially, really, really important. Uh, and I guess it still, it still is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we then pretty much straight away started, with, I, I started leading that small group. Um, I, I took the reins there and uh, I, I set up a, um, I think within a couple of months, I put on a vision night, which is just like a taste and see um, night where people could come and uh, find out more about the heart and vision of what we wanted to do. Uh, so I spoke at that. Uh, I asked, took questions and invited people to get on board. Well, they could get on board in three ways. They could pray for us. Uh, number two, uh, they could um, support us financially. Or number three, they could actually join us and be, be part of that. Um, I should say, just to back up, one of the other things I did early on was build up a prayer network. Uh, I think I got a network of about 200 people initially who was praying for us um, just to help put down our needs early on and, ask anyone I knew, regardless of their involved in another church or whatever, to start praying for us. And um, 
Uh, we did that so we got people involved, and so our one small group became four small groups for the first uh, quite quickly, uh, and I led all four small groups. Um, and there's some reasons for that which I could share with you if you want to know, but uh, I led all four small groups, and I took them through the Gospel of John uh, and uh, just began teaching about Jesus and encouraging them and talking about vision and uh, praying for the launch that, we, that uh, God was kind of wiring us up for and getting ready for that. Do you want to tell? Do you want to tell us why? Yeah, why? Why you led all those? They must have been on. They're obviously on on at different times with different demographics. What was the? Yeah, what was the reason behind that? Yeah, I mean, I just split them up into like you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, so I yep. could be at all of them. Um, and uh, uh, one, I wanted to centre it on Jesus. I mean, as a church, that's what we're passionate about: uh, knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. Uh, and so I thought, you know, if there's something we've got to get right early, it's just let's fix our eyes on Jesus. He's going to be our lead pastor. Uh, so we want to know who he is, what he stands for, why he came, et cetera, et cetera. So um, going through the Gospel of John uh, was good. Um, it also meant that I could get to know them and they could get to know me. Uh, also, um, at that point, I really didn't know who, was the, who were the leaders, uh, who was just in for, for a different reason, uh, who was just here for a short time but would check out. Uh, that gave me some an opportunity to just understand where our people were um, and uh, continue to cast the vision and get to know people. I guess be a personal presence as a leader, because yeah. um, it's a, it's about trust both ways. I think. Uh, and so now you're now you're two months in. You've now got four oh, yeah, small so groups. You're still not you're not publicly meeting yet. You no, we're not doing any meetings other than small groups. So what we started to do uh, about three or four months in was hold monthly meetings. Uh, by this stage, we've been given a venue. Um, by God's grace, we've been given a pub uh, to meet in. Uh, and uh, so I started running a Sunday morning, um, called it a main meeting, just to, you know, it did a couple of things. It helped us test what a service might look like, uh, test where people's giftings were at, but at the same time, just do some planning. So I just, we just taught through core values. So week one was, uh, we want to be centered on God and His glory. Uh, and so I preached about that, and then the following week, okay, if we're going to be centered on God and God's glory, what would what would be some other values that we look at? And so, you know, Scripture shows us, for example, that, well, uh, we'd have a heart for the lost. And so, and we'd plan about that. Well, what would that look like for us and broken groups and doing all that kind of stuff? So just a whole lot of planning meeting. It also was open that people could come if they were thinking about joining, but it wasn't public. It wasn't announced, you know, hey, we've launched and started. It was more underground in that yeah. sense. And that went on for about six months. Uh, we did a weekend away towards the end of that. Uh, by this stage, we had a core of about... 40 or so, 50 people. That really helped build the community aspect as well. Again, more teaching opportunities, uh, more opportunities to understand one another uh, before we launched in October. Okay. Can you can you go back to just the, you know, between sort of two to six months? What's your week looking like? How are you, how are you spending your time? What are your, you know, what are your priorities? What are you doing? Well, I, I was part-time at that point. Um, I was still, um, we had a, we had our first child in May of that year, plus I was finishing my MDiv, mm-hmm. um, uh, which was the end, the back end of a seven-year MDiv at uh, Ridley, Melbourne, um, which was great, and I loved it again, more time, um, and uh, getting to know these people. So it was a bit chaotic, and, and to be honest, I, uh, it's, I think what I do has changed, but it still continues to be chaotic. Um, uh, a lot of coffee, to be honest, a lot of coffee uh, in terms of meeting up with people really relational kind of like, hey, you know, someone would email me and say, a friend of ours is moving down from Sydney or somewhere, uh, they're looking for a church or being part of a church plant, I'll meet up with them and have a chat, get to know, talk about vision and mission and on. And I did 
tons and tons of that. Um, a lot of planning, uh, thinking and dreaming and praying uh, about uh, what it could be like. Um, uh, a lot of, yeah, I mean, those administrative things, trying to set stuff up, trying to think about branding, trying to think about look and feel, um, trying to think about uh, leadership, meeting with potential leaders, spending perhaps a bit more time with them. Uh, so if I see a few people think, hey, they, they've got potential to lead these groups, because as soon as we launch my... I told them that I'll be stepping out of the small groups yeah. uh, in terms of leadership capacity. Um, yeah. What about uh, evangelism? Like, given you're in the city, um, you know, people are coming in, people are going out. What, what about any any sort of frontline evangelism? Yeah, I always wrestle with that question because, um, to be honest, our small groups were evangelistic from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about Jesus and, um, yeah, he calls us to repent, calls us to put his trust in him. And by God's grace, people started coming even quite early. You know, it was like, uh, I think there's a guy in the first, like, 20 people who was flat-out atheist. Uh, but he was married to a girl who was a Christian, and she wanted to be part of the church plan. And so he said, all right, I'll come along, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's kind of been our, how things have gone for us as a church. We've, uh, our evangelism, um, I mean, we've just started a course actually last night for the very first time, which was separate to our Sunday service called Introducing Jesus. Uh, which was more is more focused, I guess, in that sense. But our Sunday services always would have an evangelistic edge. Yep. They're not seek, they're not seeker services at all. But we think if we preach the Bible and preach Jesus, um, mm-hmm. then that's going to lead lost people to Jesus. So our Sunday services have been effective in that. Uh, we've encouraged people to see themselves as missionaries. That's been a big bell that we hit often. Um, you know, with this mindset that you know mission and evangelism is something that either is reserved to or well, mission overseas or evangelism one big event. We said, no, no, you ought to be the light of the world. You ought to be missionaries in your culture. You know, proclaim Christ, live like Christ, um, uh, <laughs> welcome people in the community, proclaim the gospel. Um, and so we sort to teach people in that, encourage them. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, there's, there's, to be honest, I mean, in terms of t- you know, outreach things, we've done lots of things to connect with community. Yep. Um, you know, so one of the, uh, one of the pastors here, Nick, uh, did a thing called community weekend which was a great success uh, I told you the you know the many rooms stuff yeah um, also, also we've had people you know someone started up a, a midweek um, cafe thing and something a cycling group and just a whole bunch of different things like that yeah uh, others others have joined other groups that are already happening in the community some of these things have worked other things haven't but uh, yep. we've encouraged people to be involved and to be Christians who claim Jesus uh, as they do that yeah great um, I might have might open up for some questions. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's open up to the table. Um, I guess one, my, one of my questions was uh, you spoke about, spoke about leadership and developing your leaders and it was helpful to, um, I guess it was helpful to be involved with, uh, with each of the groups, see who they were and identify, you know, who, who could be potential leaders. What did you then do with those leaders? You know, how often did you meet up with them? Um, you know, did you have a course, you know, ready to go or was it really just... Finding out where each of them, you know, each of them, each of them are at, and uh, you know, and and investing in, you know, reading the Bible with them and, and praying with them and, and developing, you know, where they're at. Look, I guess. If I was to, you know, let's just if I was to fast forward and plant another church uh, from scratch, uh, I'd probably do it differently. I'd probably have a, a lot more thought out uh, system, assessment, and all those kind of things. But to be honest, at that point, I was just like running, trying to work out as we went how to do this. So most of it was kind of by um, intuition. Most of it was just through questioning and getting to hear how they responded, hear their heart 
see what they're passionate about. Um, where possible, if they've come from a, another church, do a little bit of a background on that and ask them. But no, we didn't have a formal, you know, uh, training course or assessment process at that stage yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, we did we did start, you know, we have since started up those things, but not back then, no. It was more just like, hey, you, you've led before. Um, would you like to lead now? Uh, is there any reason why that might be, you know, that kind of stuff? Yep. And then giving people an opportunity uh, and, uh, and going from there. And and you also spoke about uh, you know two months in you had the you had a vision night uh, you were able to you know put the mission the the focus of the church out there you asked some people to support you were you were you at that stage you know spending a fair bit of time trying to raise the funds for your wage and raise the funds for you know rent and you know PA sure. systems and, and everything else how, how much time did you spend you know just doing that the hard work of getting getting you know funds for your ministry because we were in an independent church plan it was much easier for us I was. Um uh, employed by a parish uh, called St. James Old Cathedral, uh, and they provided um, an apartment for us. Uh, well, actually, we ended up moving out of that. But anyway, initially, there was that part-time you know, salary to take care of us. But pretty much as soon as we got going and people started, like I asked people to start giving and contributing from the get-go. So as soon as we had four groups, people were tithing and giving. And yeah. if you think about it, if you've got 30, 40 people and they're giving, that should be a substantial amount, really, early yeah. on. Uh, we were blessed in terms of um, the apartment we got in Docklands was um, through a friend and it's kind of heavily subsidised um, the, the rent for that. Uh, the venue was given to us free of charge. Uh, people donate Bibles. Um, uh, people, you know, someone gave us a keyboard, um, musical equipment. Um, a lot of people were just keen to help out and by God's grace that um, we just started getting things. And we never really have been in a place where we're like, you know, I've had to you know, be desperate in terms of running after funds or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I think that's just because we've been, you know, we've always, we've tried to always, you know, put vision first um, and then say, is there any way that you can be involved? There's a number of ways and then people have, by their own, uh, I guess, leading have come up and suggested ways and we've said, yes, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyone else got? Yeah. You, you're good? Yeah, Toby? Um... <clears throat> Yeah, I guess, what does it look like to be um, uh, kind of in the city and uh, what, are, what, are, what are rental prices like kind of in the inner city and how does that affect how you have Christians involved? So um, I'll give you context for the question. We're in Surrey Hills. Um, rent is just crazy. And, uh, and half, uh, half our core team work or live in the area and then half are kind of coming in for the sake of church, driving at least. Uh, so half are within a uh, five to ten minute walk or drive and then the other half are further away than that. And just trying to encourage them to move in, but it's so expensive. How do you do that? Did you have yeah. that challenge? Well, initially we were, you know, localised in one particular suburb. And to be honest, it'd have to be top three of most expensive. I mean, the average income of someone who we now in this suburb that I'm in right now is $100,000. Just to give you a picture, rent is for a two-bedroom apartment, like, I don't know, seven, six, $650, dollars yeah. I don't know what that compares like to Sydney, but that's a yeah, lot. That's yeah. pretty close, yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. right? So, um, you know... You really want to, you want to, you know, that whole kind of locating and encouraging people in. Um, you really want to do that, and you want to, I suppose, lead by example in that. So I don't know if you're living in that area, but um, that's something that we did: is that we just moved in, 
uh, and that actually opened up a lot of doors because previously Christians had tried to plant stuff in this area, but no one moved in. Everyone was driving in like 40 minutes or whatever, setting up their tent, so to speak, and then leaving. Um, when I told, you know, the local council, you know, leaders, workers, editors, oh, we've actually moved in, you could just see that it really changed a whole lot of things. Um, look, in terms of the church, uh, you'll find that some people will be able to do that and some people just can't. And uh, I think, you know, you've got to talk about the importance of mission. And for some people, they'll grapple with it. Um, for us, it's been, you know, some people have definitely um, stayed, maybe not necessarily in this suburb, but within a close proximity. Like people who've thought about, you know what, we could move out to a bigger place, be a lot uh, cheaper. Um, they've thought, you know what, maybe we should stay in a, you know, a 5 to 10K or at least a 5K kind of radius. It's at least closer. Um, it's a bit different for us now because we have um, small groups all around different suburbs so it gives me you know we can go out quite far with those um, local mission communities um, but uh, for most people um, early on you know it was, a, it was a challenge we also started meeting and reaching out to people in this, who already lived here anyway uh, and so then you, that increases your kind of population of people who, who are in that local area as well um, I think it's important I think you know the cost of mission is something to weigh up um, I think you've got something you've got to say from the front or whatever context you're in that, hey, it's going to make a difference. I think as pastors, we know the importance of it, but I, I don't think our people really weigh it up. Um, so helping them to see that. Um, I think, like you said, it's important to know that some people will work in that area, uh, and that's and that's a really helpful thing to acknowledge as well. So I have lots of people who work from different suburbs, but actually works right in the heart of this place here, and they were a great lesson for us in reaching a, you know, because you've got the, the, the workers and then you've got the residents and then you've got the tourists. You know, there are three different types of people that you're seeking, uh, primarily the first two, uh, not so much the last one. Um, so it's just helpful to know who you have and that the, the proportion of those is healthy. Um, yeah. How did you, so you've become um, less tied to Docklands now and more a regional church. Um, how did you um, go through the transition for that and how did you make that decision? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a challenging question. It's a question we're still working through. Um, we're, in a sense, we're less tied, but we're not at the same time. Um, we still, are, where I am right now, I'm in Docklands. Our office is in here. Um, we've been, you know, located in that sense. Uh, I was living here, but because we couldn't have, seriously, because we've got three kids, uh, two kids now, the third on the way, the only apartment we could have in here would be multi-million dollar apartment, and we just we just can't do it. So we moved out, but only to, like, the next suburb along this type of to be as close as we kind of could. Uh, another one of my pastors actually lives in here. Uh, and we can, you know, I write for the local uh, a column for the local paper, and we're going to do stuff midweek in the local area. Um, and we're in conversation with developers about a venue long term, because that's the limitation here is there's not a venue actually that you could hold a service over, I don't know, 60, 70 people. Um, there's one place, but they wanted to charge me seven grand a night. And I just didn't <laughs> think that was the best, best use of our money. Um, so it continues to be part of our vision. Uh, we continue to run midweek um, small groups here as well. Uh, so uh, again, it's not a complete abandoning of an area. It's just a broadening and a focus on other areas as well. Um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, what would have? I guess there's a time frame where you could broaden, and early on you really had to focus on Docklands. I mean, that's just one of the things I'm struggling with at the moment is. We've got a bunch of people who live across the Harbour Bridge and we're on the city side, they live on the north side. And I'm tempted, we've only got one uh, 
a community group at the moment. It's at 16 and we've got to split it. And um, trying to work out whether to split it and keep the two in Surrey Hills or whether to put the other on the North Shore uh, where, um, you know, there'd be a eight to ten person group. Um, but I, I'm thinking at this stage, I'm thinking that's a bad move, even though it's good geographically and uh, in a year or a year and a half. That's what that's exactly what we'll be doing. But I'm just wondering, is it too early to go there, particularly with we need to focus on uh, a, a geography, you know, early on. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and I mean, hands drop in on this as well yeah, if you want. Sure. Yeah. Well, why don't you shoot hands and then I'll add two cents on top. So, what specific question you got? Um, yeah, whether to um, whether to start our second community group in Surrey Hills or whether to push it out to where actually a couple of our people are living. Because um, you, your your vibe is you're going for Surrey Hills. Yeah. 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 Well, in a city, yeah. In a but city. this is you know even broader than our broader vision yeah. so our, our vision is in a city but we're starting Surrey Hills and yeah yeah I think one of the things that's peculiar about Sydney that's different from Washington DC for example where, where I just came back from um, or, or uh, a bunch of places is that people will travel 40 minutes yeah will travel, travel 20 minutes will travel an hour um, so I was just at a gig last night and people were driving an hour and a half just to come and play two songs at a jam session, like, I don't know, um, and they were happy to do that. So I think there's a sense in which if you're really going for Surrey Hills, I just keep it, keep it in there. Oh, like, where are we talking about? We're not talking about Hornsby. Lanko oh. or, like, Cremorne, yeah. Oh, dude, if it's Cremorne, yeah. If no. it's Cremorne, why, why aren't they moving in? Because Cremorne would be more expensive than Surrey Hills, wouldn't it? Uh, no, it's cheaper. It's about another hundred, hundred fifty cheaper. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, that's where I'm being pushed. But 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 here's the other thing. I think one of the things that that if you come down really hard on people and go, hey, you've got to do this, um, um, it can seem like legalism. So, um, do they get the vision? Do do they understand what you're trying to do? And is it coming from that that you can ask them the question? Yeah. Because if it's not that, it would just seem like beating them over the head. I think. I think. I think the biggest temptation for me is that um, two of our um, uh, our admin committee, so the guy, the treasurer, and and my other guy who is my um, second in charge, like he'll preach if I'm not preaching. That guy, they both live in Lane Cove, and. Um, and they've both got kids, and they both work full full time job. Their their wives are working part time because they need more money. So their lives are just so busy. And then to ask them to travel in to the city uh, one night a week for our community group, I, I mean, it, it's really them. So we've got a couple of singles there. You know, I don't care that they have to come in. You know, but it, it's those married couples which are. I feel for because it's you know I don't know like they could be doing it in their home with their yeah. wives present. Their wives aren't coming to community uh-huh. group. I mean they're going to women's community group on Thursday morning. But I like I believe that um, it'd be way better to have the wives present. So 
I think you've got to know your people too. Yeah. So, I mean, like, um, I just tell my people, you know, um, like we got people driving in from Liverpool, which is 40 minutes away, um, <laughs> uh, to come to church. So we've got a community group out there, though. Wow. Um, so that's the, that's the difference, isn't it? I yeah. think if you get once you get to that point that you can have a big gathering, people they they'll travel in. Yeah. And we've been happy to say that's okay, providing yeah. there's a local, you know, Expression, midweek yeah. it's hard to cross a bridge, so to speak, or it's hard to get across town in Melbourne. But hopefully, having something that's a bit closer to them just helps them in that way. I I don't think we need to overplay the whole, you know, well. They're local, therefore they're going to do mission in that local area because it's it's often more about networks now. Um, it's more about who do they work with, what footy team are they part of, um, as in you know they play sport or what, what you know what who. It's more about those kind of networks, and um, so sometimes the area doesn't you know they can connect better with the people that you're meeting with, even though it might be a drive away. Yeah, anyway. but it's knowing what to do at what point is, is the tricky one. Yeah. But for yeah. you, <clears throat> when did you, when did, for you guys, just reflecting on your experience, you went, it was Docklands, Docklands, Docklands for the first two years until you got a venue, or it was always bigger, bigger, let's reach the city, city of Melbourne? No, always, always city. I, um, I started, the first four groups were North Melbourne, East Melbourne, West Melbourne, that was Docklands, yep. East Melbourne. So wow. straight away, big four points, and then did CBD. Okay, gotcha. How, um, how far out were all of those... So they, were they CBD or were they kind of uh, 10 minutes north, 10 minutes west, 10 minutes east, 10 minutes south? Yeah, or? 5 to 10 minutes. Yeah. It's, uh... And um, a, a lot of those areas would be medium medium density housing, yeah? So how did, how did you, or how are you uh, break, breaking into those? Most of those areas are more apartment than sprinklings of, you know, oh, townhouses, right. that kind of thing. Okay, so it's still, <clears throat> you're still not getting the... Um, you know, 30, 30 story towers that are residential in that area, or there's only there's only a few in Melbourne at this stage. It's uh, a good question. I'm just trying to picture. Look, it was a mixture. It was a mixture, really. Um, as a city, yeah, they weren't that far out, to be honest. I mean, I'm really trying to think how far they were initially. Um, no, they weren't that far out, really. Yep. They're just the, the northern side of the city, the eastern side of the city, the western side. Yep. Gotcha. Do you have any other questions? Or? Um, yeah, uh, so Dockland sounds really similar, or kind of similar to Surrey Hills, I think. It's pro it's way newer, Surrey Hills is uh, quite old. Um, I don't know, uh, it sounds like a lot of professionals, whereas Surrey Hills, it's been gentrified by the artists. The artists moved in, cleaned it up, created character, and then uh, the artists are being pushed out. But it still has a really... Um, and and Hans, you uh, you can weigh in on this as well. It still has this really um, boutique kind of feel, so that um, uh, there are small bars. So uh, City of Sydney Council have just opened up licensing to have small bars. Previously, um, only pubs could have a liquor license, whereas now we have all these small bars, and they're really in fashion. And I think what's fashionable is have a really small area full of people rather than having a mega pub. Um, yeah. So there are no mega pubs. They're all kind of small pubs on corners. And I'm just wondering how... And there are no massive coffee shops either. They're all really small, one-room, sit-on-stools type thing. Um, yeah. 
And I'm wondering whether that affects the way you do church because people are really tribal and local and um, and almost uh, they will never leave. So the, the locals in Surrey Hills, they won't leave Surrey Hills for anything. Um, they may leave for work, but they'll do everything else in that area. And, I'm one, and they have this uh, love for small boutique uh, and I'm wondering whether that affects the way you do church um, to have kind of like a more consumer-driven, you drive in for church on a Sunday. I don't know, have you seen that in Glebe and in Melbourne, uh, something similar? or Is in that cultural, we like small cafe yeah. type thing. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, look, I, it's tricky though because um, you don't want to be too uh, culturally driven, I don't think. Like you need to be aware of what, you know, so what, like you got to ask, so what does that tell us? It tells us that people are still into community. It tells yeah. us people are still into hanging out. It tells us that they're, uh, you know, a whole bunch of things like that. So, um, and we would say, well, yes, the scripture tells us we're made for community. So a church should have aspects that engages community in that way. I don't think it means, for though we go the other sense, it doesn't mean that people aren't attracted to bigger events as well. Mm. So um, our local bars are small and our cafes are small. We don't have massive pubs and things like that. There might be occasional ones like that. But people still go to big events and they'll still go to sport games and they'll still go to the comedy festival, the Melbourne Comedy Festival. They'll pack out theatres for that. Uh, and it's just a complement of both of those things, you know. So a comedy show, if you think about it, you know, it's like a thousand people, some, one guy standing up for an hour preaching uh, and they'll go to that. And they'll probably go to a bar beforehand and they'll probably hang out in their small group uh, and then they'll go in together and then they'll have a meal and then they'll do that. Uh, and I guess as you kind of look at um, Jesus and in the New Testament, you see a bit of those two things. I mean, I think it's very difficult for us to understand exactly what it looked like in the first century and what they, how they did it. But I think, you know, you do see Jesus preaching to crowds and then you see him also engaging in small groups and then you see him speaking with people one-on-one. And I think our ministries have just got to, you know, explore those aspects as well. You want to, you want to preach to preach the word, you know, and I think, you know, if, if it really depends also on your leadership style. I think that's probably the other thing to say. Um, are you, you know, uh, that that's an important thing to, to wrestle with. And it'd be good to hear hands how he um, has kind of journeyed through that and where he feels most, you know, that, that just seems to work. Um, but that's just something that we just noticed. And when we had a service, we were preaching, we had music, it just people gathered. It was just a good point for equipping people and tra- uh, training people for mission and evangelism at the same time. Yeah. So we... Um, thanks, thanks, Guy. Yeah, The funny thing where we meet, we meet in a pub, and it's very quite a small room. You fit sixty, and it's like sardines. So we hit forty-five, and it feels full. Um, so the the interesting thing, people are really digging that, and they're really close quarters of that. Um, the problem with that is that that. Um, we got no room to, room to expand. We got no room to grow. We got to find, find a different. I think we got to find a different venue. I think the other thing is people like small because they like small, and I find and and I think there's something inherently selfish about that when they go. No, I just want to keep it at this size. Mm. And so it's been interesting as we moved from a really crappy venue to um, sort of Roxbury Hotel in Glebe. Um, we've actually. I think we, we attendance has dropped off just a little bit, although our our base has expanded. 
Um, and so we've got more people saying they're part of Resolve, but less people coming, which is weird. So more people in community groups, less people coming to the service. And I, um, people dig the service when they come. People like the service um, and like small. But I think one of, one of the things that I think we've got to we've got to fight up against is going no no small's not right, big's not right. It's the gospel that counts, and what's going to help us do that. And so for you in, in Surrey Hills, it may be that you that you have something small, but. At what, what point is, is a small room a detriment? Yeah. I think we've hit, hit the point at Resolve now where it's a detriment. And so um, I, I'll be pushing over the next couple, or a couple of months at when, the, when we finish up in October here because someone paid up, paid up for a year for us, we're actually going to move up somewhere bigger. And we're actually going to push that um, a bit bigger. So yeah. that's what, I'm not sure if that answers your question, though. Well, I, I think it does. And... Um yeah, I think you're, like, I just think we need cultural, like, so, I, in particular, the person I'm trying to to um, sell, ultimately, we do want to grow bigger to, is the uh, only other person who lives in Surrey Hills, and she, so, and she knows the culture better than anyone else, and so she, and I, I really want to please her, but she understands the mission to the people most. Um, better than I do even um, and so I don't want to uh, but I think so I, I think having a w- way to explain it culturally uh, is helpful so your thing about going to a comedy festival yep. you know people go to a big theater pack it out but do the uh, small bar beforehand and that's our our model isn't it like we have our midweek community groups we, we grow smaller um, but at the same time we do grow bigger at the same time and I think that I mean that I'll be taking that to her. <laughs> well, can I just... Want... Well, I think just... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Can I weigh in on that? It's interesting. People go go to something small community that they're cool with, a bit grungy, a bit raggedy when it's small. If it's big, they're going to expect something totally different. Yeah. And so it's got to be a show. There's got to be, you know, lights. Uh, and that, that's interesting. So people have got no problem, if you think musically, going to a crappy pub, seeing a person that can kind of play, but it's an intimate... In, Thing, but if if they're going to see, um, they wouldn't go and see that at a huge venue. Yeah. And so there's there's some kind of. I don't want to say it's a performance, but but when you're small, you get away with the, a lot more. Yeah. Well, that there's one kind of vibe of how you come across. Yeah. But as as you grow you, bigger, you've got to grow into that. Yeah. And yeah, and and, and that's that that's. And that's when you've got to think, where are we at now and what can we do? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I was just reflecting on, on, on guys' things. So, I don't know. Sorry, I interrupted you, man. No, no, it's cool. Uh, Toby, all I would say just is some advice. Because uh, I know when you're at that early stage, um, it's like every person in your team is like extra, extra. You know, like I, I remember I had an Excel sheet of like their name and I'm like, I'm up to 16 people and I'm like, Dude, if this one person leaves or yeah. that person leaves, it's all over. It's never going to happen, you know. Um, and I'm praise the Lord that I don't feel like that. You know, that can, you get kind of pushed through a point in that, which is, you know. But at that stage, it's important. What I would suggest though is don't one don't feel you need to sell her anything, right, or him or whoever it is. Know know where, what, who God has called you to, and know who uh, you're accountable to. Ultimate brother, you're accountable to Jesus, and you'll stand before Him and give Him an account. 
and God will put different people in your way to help you refine your vision, okay? So you've got to wrestle with that. Otherwise, you'll find like that what you're experiencing right there, like something, ah, oh, I think we should do this. It's just going to be a taste yeah. of more and more of crap, yeah. like, you know, challenges yeah, like yeah. that. Um, what I would say, though, within that, you don't want to completely disregard her. Like you say, she lives there. She knows there. So learn from us. Okay, yeah. I love, I want to hear what you've got to say. Because I think like Hans is saying, she might have a perception of a big church. She might have had a bad experience of a big church. Mm. She might have a whole lot of things. Um, and I think helping people see that and understand what's their question behind their concern. So maybe it's community for her to say, okay, what can we learn? How could we do that in a way that would mean that we wouldn't become what you're kind of fearful about? And just kind of talk that stuff, get under the issue. Um, because that, that's a, you know, that's going to be something very much down the track. And by then, who knows you know, what you'll look like or what you'll want. Um, I don't think you need to worry too much about the kind of three, four, five steps ahead with people. Mm. Just help them understand where they are now, mm. what you'd like to see happen now, and how they can go forward to the next place. Because over time, you'll build trust with her. She'll get trust, you know, and, and so on. And then you can explore those things and say, hey, you know, we've got five groups now. It'd be nice if we all met together. Could you suggest any places we could do that? Yeah. Maybe we should do this together. You know, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. This is, yeah. yeah. And the, the other thing I, I just say, sorry, very quickly. How much of the vision does she get? She, uh, get, she, get, I, she yeah. I, I think she's brought in the most out of anyone. Okay. She, she's our number one evangelist. Okay, good. She, she gets a culture thing as well. Um, and she's come from a large church, had a really happy time there. I, I really think this is culturally driven. Okay. She gets the culture and, and that's why she kind of pushes it. But So I'm like, well, do we go culture on this one? Um or not, but I think, I mean, Guy, you've kind of said, you know, the culture is still with pack out theatres. 